put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation, He'll never let me down. He'll never let me down. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you. We give you the grace. We give you the glory, Lord. We give you the honor. Thank you for being our God and our lover. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. That area of your life you have written where you want God to favor you, God will demonstrate himself in that area. You will see it. You will see it. You see, just write it down. You will see it. Because the power has been stayed and the Lord is here. Doing great things. Doing wonders. Doing wonders. Doing wonders tonight. Doing wonders tonight. Just like when we meet in physical services, how God does wonders in our services. He's doing the same tonight. Hallelujah. Yes. Sometimes people don't know that the, the house of God is a school. The house of God is a school. And because people miss that part of it, they expect God to act erratically. Let me, let me share a testimony with you. I think there was a day you were in my house, and I asked them to go and pick a, a young boy, and they brought him to the house. His father had, had, had a cancer. All right? His father had a cancer, and he came to see me. And definitely he, he was thinking I was just going to pray for him. And it's high time God's people understand it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And when um, people share these kind of things or, or say these kind of things like, oh, man of God, I just want to touch your feet. Or I just want to, you know, just pray for me. When they say things like that, they refer to somebody like um, the woman with the issue of blood. Says, oh, he, she just touched. What people don't realize is that when you break down everything that woman did on that day, it actually equals faith. In fact, it is one of the most accurate examples of faith. Like I told you before, faith is not just believing. Now, what did the woman do? The first, the first thing is that the Bible says that she heard of Jesus. So there must be a hearing before there's a performance. See, and people don't, they don't like the word of God. People don't like the word of God. All they want is, just pray for me. I just, I just want a prayer meeting. We have to take the word of God serious. Do you know that when I read, I read the scriptures, I was shocked that after Jesus received the Holy Ghost, the Bible says he went into the wilderness for 40 days. Do you know that when he came out, the Bible says that, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. When he returned the power of the Spirit, I thought that, the first thing that he was supposed to do is probably start healing the sick. The first thing he did was, the Bible says, he began to teach in their synagogues. Let's go there. Luke chapter 4. Jesus very well understood how the power of God worked. Look at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. This was after the temptation in the wilderness. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region runabouts. Verse 15. And he what? And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He did not start out by just praying for people. He taught in their synagogues. So Jesus knew that when there's an encounter with God, 
or the, the, there's power, the, for the power to work, you need the manual. So he taught in their synagogues. Guys, don't underplay the power of the word of God. The house of God is a school. It's not just for preaching. Preaching is good, all right? Sometimes it's, Bible calls it the ministry of exhortation. Preaching, that's proclaiming. It, it, it's, it's a ministry of exhortation. Bible talks about ministries. So there are people who have that gift of exhorting you. You came, you were feeling down, you understand? God puts word in their mouth. They say, and you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are exhorted. But it doesn't mean the problem will go. Because for the problem to go, or for whatever is, is, is causing it to go, there will have to be a systematic understanding. He said, by faith, we understand. He said, by faith, we pray. He said, by faith, we understand. So the scriptures give us a pathway with God. So teaching is so important. The teaching of the word of God, and, and when I say that, not just every word of God, the sound teaching of the word of God, the accuracy, the accuracy, it's so important. So today, what by the Spirit I'll be sharing, or I'll be sharing today, is going to be of a blessing to you. Now, today, I don't want you to just be a hearer of the word. Today, our focus is being doers of the word because of the kind of thing I'm going to share today. Because what I'm going to share today. So we must align ourselves to want to know the word of God in a way that we will apply it. You see, the word of God, when applied, is what brings the changes. He said, it is not the hearer that is blessed, it is the doer. So you can hear all you want. If you don't apply, it doesn't, it doesn't yield anything in your life. All right, so let's begin. We, we've been on the topic kingdom order. Today we are going to another facet of kingdom order. We'll be talking about the different stones over there. So... Very, very, very much, sir, for the opportunity to be on set with you. Today is, is the power in the studio today is overwhelming, I tell you. And wherever you are, I'm sure you are getting, um, you are getting it live in your rooms, in your hall, wherever you are. You are seeing the power of God right where you are. And today we are going to recap a bit on what we talked about last week. It's going to be an amazing time, sir. And sir, last week's session for me, we've been talking about kingdom order. Uh, like you just said, uh, the kingdom of God or church is a school. So if it's a school, we have curriculum. And in mm. today's class, or over the few weeks that we've been studying, we've been on the, the topic kingdom order. And for me, it's been a roller coaster of... Um, alignment, if mm. I should put it that way, because now we are we are beginning to have more light and more insight into, you know, um, like you rightly said, rightly dividing the word of truth, and we are seeing testimonies come in, and every every week after every session, we are seeing the testimonies say, and say last week you talked to us about priorities, say you gave so many pointers, so many amazing pointers, and and one of the things I think a few things um, I'm, I'm gonna highlights from, from that. So you, you spoke about, you said, um, in our time. Now, this struck me very much because as a young person, and you did address it, as a young person, um, sometimes we, we want to, you know, um, move in a certain direction that might not be for our time. Like you spoke about, you said, in this time, what God is looking at is more activism than apologetics. So you said in last week's teaching, you spoke about... Um, God is looking at us being more activists than we are apologetics in our time. Say, practically speaking, um, because right now we, we really want to get it right in our generation. Practically speaking, what are some of the steps as a young person who is in love with God, passionate about the things of God? Practically speaking, what are some of the key things we can start employing in, in the area of activism when it comes to the kingdom, the kingdom of God, sir? Last week, I shared... Um, a, a scripture, it was yes. a final scripture I actually shared, um, and we read in the um, message translation. Message said, you cannot put the kingdom of God on hold. It says, seize the day, right? It's so important in the kingdom of God. Now, you notice that um, there's a scripture, a, a foundational scripture I've been sharing within the light of this particular topic, and the scripture is, um, if the first fruit be holy, 
the lamp also is holy. All right? That means it, it matters what is first in your life. Because Jesus knows that we will always come into contact with different um, situations where we need to make choices. So he's telling us, if you have all these choices to make, if it's going to go in the order of the kingdom, if you want to secure the lamp, you have to make sure you have made the first fruit holy. So you check this um, particular scripture and um, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So you cannot seek the kingdom of God second. You cannot seek it, seek it uh, later. You see, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. So it's so important um, how you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and how you put it first. So that is the kingdom order, right? Okay. That's the kingdom order. Now he talked about um, activism. Jesus Christ said, um, uh, some men came to Jesus Christ and they said, uh, at what time, you know, um, they, they want to come and follow him. And he said, oh, they should follow him. They said, oh, they are going first to go. So they put that thing at the wrong place, all right? Because the first to have followed was Jesus, all right? So they missed the opportunity to be followers of Jesus for anybody to ever, ever get to hear of them or for them to relevant in eternity. So they had a lot of things. There was a man called a rich young ruler who came to Jesus Christ. He could not leave everything and follow Jesus and put Jesus first, all right? So he lost his place in eternity, all right? Now, when you look at the 12 apostles, the Bible talks about the 12 apostles that they will sit on thrones in heaven. This man has missed that opportunity forever. All right? So in, in time, he was relevant with money. All right? But in uh, eternity, he became irrelevant. Because when you follow God in the first, all other things are added unto you. Now, what you even reap, okay, in, in time, what you reap in time, all right, Jesus Christ talked about um, whosoever leaves his father, mother, you know, he says, shall, shall receive a hundredfold. He said, now in this time and the time to come. So even when you put God first, it doesn't only yield results in time. It also yields results in eternity. It doesn't only yield in eternity. It also yields in time. So following God and putting the, the kingdom first is so important. All right. So that was, that was it about priorities. Yes, sir. So um, looking at... Um, one of the things that you highlighted right now, sir, um, when we study the people who came into contact with Jesus, who missed that, uh, their way, like you were saying, um, just in case we've had people who probably uh, the, 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 the word of God came to them early in their life and for some reason or other, they, they might have followed the step of the rich, wrong, young ruler or the other people who missed their way. Is there a way of remission back to getting it right with God, sir? That's a very powerful question. You know, we've not actually discussed, if you are watching, you might think we've discussed what we are sharing now. We've not actually discussed yes, what, what we, are, we are doing right now because I wanted it to be very natural and flow because a lot of the time, I notice that when I'm in church teaching, yes, I reserve a lot of things. Yes, but when I'm alone with you and you ask me questions, yes, I say so many things I don't say in church. Right, so I just wanted to flow so that I can, I'll see if I can do that. Because, you know, the, the, the way teaching is, you have to pull it. Okay? That's how the anointing is. You have to pull it. If I'm teaching a place, because sometimes you notice when I'm teaching in the three services, in first service, I teach a certain degree. Then second service, I can go a little further. Then third service, I can go to another dimension altogether. Because the, 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 the particular soul of the people is what draws what, what comes out. All right, the soul of the people is what draws what comes out. So, very, very good question. Now, we've laid the foundation stones. The first one was prayer. The second one was studying or teaching, all right, that the priest must know. He must know the word of God. He must know God, all right? Then we talked about perspective. Then we talked about love for the Lord. Then we talked about love for your neighbor. Then we talked about um, all these things Jesus Christ mentioned first, first, first. In prayer, he said, um, uh, uh, if Jesus Christ said, if you go to a strong man's house, you must first bind a strong man, all right? And that's one of the scriptures we use for prayer. Then you go to um, studying, all right? Talked about the mountain of the lost house and how 
teaching is what uh, goes before every activity of priesthood. Yes. Okay, now, the third one, we talked about first love. Yes, then second one, we talk about if you have ought against any, you must first go and settle with your brother, all right, and forgive him before you come. So these are things that Jesus Christ said, this must be done first. This must be done. So I said, all these things are in the kingdom order, and they are called the law of the first. Because if the first fruit is holy, the lamp also is holy. Okay, now we talked about fatherhood. Honor your father and mother, all right? Honoring the fathers, all right? He said this is the first commandment with a promise. So that one too is first. Now, we talked the, uh, last time about priorities, putting the work of God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, today, due to the question you've mentioned, there's actually another first, another first that was mentioned. What if you have come to a place that things are not moving the way you want. Now, the first thing I'll say is, a lot of Christians are guilty of what I'm about to say now. All right? I've noticed right from the fathers to the mothers, you know, you know they are very guilty of this. Um, like the, the generation of Christians that we came to meet. They taught us a lot about God. They made us appreciate God. They took us to church by force, which made all of us have an encounter with God some way, somehow. It put God in our conscience. That was beautiful. But I noticed that they lacked a certain accuracy. So I thank God that I met the man of God, Pastor Chris, and my father, Pastor Bill Lawa. I thank God I met them because they, they brought the word of God to me. I began to wonder, are we all reading the same Bible? Because there was the accuracy of the word of God. The, 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 God is not erratic. Okay? Now, a lot of the time, one of the things that I said they are guilty of, one of the main things they are guilty of, anything that happens, let's give it to God. Whatever happens, let's give it to God. Then God is to blame for everything that happens in their lives. They have no blame at all. Anything that happens, it is God. Anything that happens is God. It is good to a certain um, uh, extent, but if we want to go deep into the word of God, there is, there is something. I was sharing the testimony of the guy who came with a cancer. I had to tell him what exactly to go and do at home. I told him, do this, do that. Now, I didn't tell him, bring tomatoes, bring anything. No. I told him, I said, this is what the word of God says. Do this, do that, do this, do that. You're going to get a result. He went and he prayed in a certain way that the scriptures have actually stated. So sometimes when we know the word of God, we get more results. God is to blame for everything that goes on in some people's lives. They never take blame for anything. When something happens, they don't ask, what don't I know? When something happens, they don't ask, what didn't I do or what don't I know? They begin to think, God, why? Very, very big error. God, why? Not what don't I know. Now, remember that there was a man who came to Jesus Christ. It was the rich young ruler. He told told Master, what will I do that will have eternal life? And Jesus Christ told him, go and follow the law. He said, follow the law. Then he said, one thing thou lackest. There's always that one thing you don't yet know. The non-performance of God is always linked to something you don't yet know. So it's not like God has, not de- God has decided not to do it. No. So don't think God has decided not to do it. No. There's something that is blocking the performance of God. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that. And that's the principle, the next principle that I'm going to talk about. Yes, sir. That's what I, I call the principle of first judgment or inventory. Principle of first judgment. First judgment or inventory. Okay. So let's go to the book of um, I'm looking at where to start from. Matthew chapter 13. Let's start from Matthew chapter 13. We'll start from verse 37. Matthew chapter 13, verse 37. Now look at it. He said, all right, let's start from 35 so that we get it in context. Jesus is sharing something. He said that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I'll open my mouth in parables. I'll utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And he said, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. All right, so we're going to go into this. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Now, prior to this, he was sharing the, the, the parable of the, the, the seed. 
all right? And the people did not really understand. Then Jesus Christ said to them, he said, unto them it is revealed their mysteries, but unto them it is not, all right? So Jesus Christ, now the, the disciples now went in further for him to explain the, the parable of the test of the field, because Jesus was sharing that particular parable. He said, he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. He said, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tests are the children of the wicked one. Now, we're going to bring up a principle here. Go to verse, verse 40. No, no, um, verse 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. So, I want you to put together... Um, these things that Jesus Christ is talking about. He said, the enemy that saw them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. Now, I want to take notice that anytime the Bible mentions harvest, it refers to judgment. Anytime you hear harvest, it means judgment. Now, when we say judgment, I I put down a definition here for you. Um, Judgment is the manifestation of God's intervention on man's lease. Judgment is the manifestation of God's intervention on man's lease. Why, why am I saying that? Because God owns the world, but as, as we speak, the world has been leased to man. So, we have what we call the day of the Lord, and we have what we call the day of man. I'll come to that. I'll show you the scriptures that, that talk about this. Now, at this particular point in time, Jesus says the harvest. Now, I said any time the Bible talks about harvest, it's talking about the end of the world or it's talking about judgment. Now, when we say judgment, people believe, immediately begin to think um, something bad. No, no. Because when you go to court and you go and there's judgment, there's either judgment for you or against you. So judgment is not always something that is bad. There can be judgment in favor of you and judgment that is against you. So when the world ends, for example, when the Bible talks about the rapture of the church, he uses the parable of the wheat, the barley, and the grapes. So the, the, that's why Pastor, Pastor Chris told us on, now, today's the day I was going to talk, I'll come and talk about eschatology because Pastor Chris has already, I don't think anybody can pieces it like the way Pastor Chris would do it, so I don't want to even come and underdo it. Yes. <laughs> so he, he talked about the, 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 the judgment of the wheat. The wheat is what we call the first flight. All right, that's the parable that we used to explain, the, the wheat, the barley, and the grapes. All right, so we, the, the Bible talks about the, the, the people who go first. That's the wheat, all right? And, uh, okay, today's not the day for all that. <laughs> like the Bible says that we'll meet the Lord in the clouds, okay? When you check the, the, the Jewish people, all right, when they harvest the wheat, it does not get to the store. They put it in somewhere called the Ghana. That is in between the field and the, the store. So when we are raptured, we'll be raptured to meet the Lord in the cloud, in between the heavens and the earth. Wow. So the judgment, so that judgment at the end of the world is actually for our benefits because we are Christians. Do you understand? So that's the, that judgment. So that judgment is for us, but it will be a judgment also against the world. So anytime the Bible talks about, I want us to establish that fact. Anytime the Bible talks about harvest, he's talking about judgment. So it says, the enemy that sold them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. All right, go to verse 40. It says, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of, the, of this world. I look in, is that... Verse 40, as therefore the tests are gathered and burned in the fire. Remember hell. So shall it be in the end of the world. Okay, go ahead. The son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. Go ahead. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Go ahead. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who had ears to ear, let them hear. Now, so you can see over here the principle that the, 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 the master is showing us over here. So the principle that is being showed over is, I said the harvest is actually the, the, the judgment. Now, how does God do his judgment? If we don't understand how God does his judgment, we will not know how to also make our judgments. Because we are going to come to the principle of first judgment. Go to the book of Luke. 
No, I, I, let's, stay, let's stay in Matthew chapter 13. I, I, want, I want to bring out something. Because yes, I, I have to be able to establish that it is first, okay, before we can move on. So Matthew chapter 13, before we go to Luke chapter 14. Matthew chapter 13. 23. Okay. Let's look at it. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Who also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some and hundred fruit, some sixty, some thirty. Go ahead. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Okay. He says, So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did not thou sow good seed in the field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy had done this. The servant also, the, the servant said unto him, Will thou then that we, we go and gather them up? So the servants are saying, okay, you, you sowed good uh, seed, we are seeing the wheat, but the enemy came to sow tears. Should we just gather them up? Now, you are seeing here, God is faced, or, or the, the, the master there, which is also talking about the son of man, because later when he was explaining, he said it was the son of man. He sowed the good seed. So God is faced with a problem. God is faced, he's at limbo in a particular case. So at this time, God has sowed good seed. The enemy has come to sow tears. So what is God going to do? When we see what God will do, we check how he expects us to do ours. Now look at it. But he said, nay, lest while, he said no, that means don't remove the tears. He said, lest while you gather up the tears, you root up also the wheat with them. So he said, immediately don't touch the tears. Because when you, because when, when you check tears and wheat, you have to go and look at pictures. Tears and wheat look so similar. So he said, when you try to remove the test, you remove the wheat. So he says, like the same way in this world, um, someone who's of the devil and someone who's of God, they, they look so similar. They all wear suits. They all, you understand? They all wear suits. They all wear dress. You understand? So you can't really tell. Even when you talk about false prophets, sometimes they, they, they can pretend so much that you even think that these are original people. All right? They say, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Verse 30. He said, let both grow together unto the ha- until the harvest. Are you seeing? Let both grow together until the harvest or until the judgment. Then he says, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares. The law of the first. First the tares. So now that we have established this one, that in the principle of the judgment, the first thing God did was to do what? Gather the tares. I want to tell you something. When the tares are together with the wheat, they fight for nutrients. So sometimes what is responsible for your own productivity is not more effort. It is the subtraction of the things that cause unproductivity. Go to Luke chapter 14. I'll start from verse 25. Luke chapter 14. He says, And there went great multitude with him, and he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counter the cost? Inventory. You see, let me tell you, as a Christian, Paul wrote a letter to Archippus in, in Colossae. In the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4, he says, Say to Archippus that he should take heed, take heed to the ministry which is given to him of the Lord, that he fulfill it. The word, you know, is so powerful. Go to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. 
He said, and said to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. Another day we'll talk about this. He didn't receive the ministry from the Lord. He received it in the Lord. There's a difference. We see, when we say he received the ministry from the Lord, there's some people who will now start saying, me, I'm not called. So some people think they are not called. He said, ministry in the Lord. So once you're in the Lord, you have a ministry. <laughs> now, Archippus is not the pastor of the church. And Paul wrote the letter to the whole Colossians church. So he expected the pastor to even read it for everybody to hear. This thing is telling Archippus. Not ministry from the Lord, ministry in the Lord. So the moment you get born again, there's a ministry for you. In the second century, after the, 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 the church, there was a church father called Ignatius. And he was the one who actually began he made an, a doctrinal error, and he began this thing of laity and clergy. Pastors are different from members. So pastors are specially anointed to do ministry, and everybody. That was the doctrinal error. That thing ran into the dark ages. So when you read about the dark ages, you realize that the, the, the priest kept the Bible away from everybody. And people were doing things out there. In fact, people had to pay. Like, your, your grandmother is dead. You know she's not born again. You pay for her to be saved. I mean, all these things were not in the scriptures. You understand? Because they put a certain distinction between laity and clergy. But it was not so in the early church. Remember Stephen. Stephen was not an apostle. He was a deacon. But Bible says he was a man full of faith and of power. Bible says he did many miracles. Philip was a deacon. He, he did the transportation. The, the spiritual transportation. He moved from one place to the other without any car, without any chariot. He moved from one place to another. He was a deacon. It was later he was now called Philip the Evangelist. So the lay people were very, very wild at that time because that was the early church. Today, some people don't want to do anything for God. They just want to attend service. It is wrong. Look at it. He said, he said take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, not from the Lord. Pastors... And what, they are, what pastors are doing, they, it is not necessarily a ministry. Even though it is ministry, you have to get the difference. It is not necessarily... <laughs> uh, Holy Ghost, grant them. I should break it down. Now, when you read the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, he said he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. So the saints are the ones supposed to do the work of the ministry. Are you getting it? <laughs> so what the apostles, pastors are doing that they are in an office. That is different from a ministry. So they are in an office. <laughs> so let's go back to Archippus. He said to Archippus something. That, well, the key thing I want to bring out here, he said, take heed. Take heed. The word heed comes from a Greek word, blepo, which means it's like to police something with your eyes. It's like, keep looking at it. If you pass here, you're looking at it. If you pass here, you're looking at it. So take heed. Take heed. Why? Because it's so easy. Look at what Paul said to the Galatians. He said, having begun in the spirit, are you not perfected by the flesh? Because it's so easy to miss God if you're not taking heed. It's not, like, there are so many prophets and pastors today who, are, who have become covetous. Who didn't start like that? When they started the ministry, they were actually very genuine, had a passion for souls. But as they kept going on, they, they now, before they, they saw souls as souls. Later, they now start seeing souls as money. There are so many people that you think are false who are actually not false. They just got into the wrong way. Why? They did not take heed. Take heed. That's why I told him nobody. Take heed. So, Jesus Christ sees a wheat and a test. He has to definitely separate. But one amazing thing about God and his judgment is that he is very patient with judgment. So what Jesus Christ actually said in the parable is very consistent with the nature of God. When God met Moses, he said to him, the Lord, the Lord. He said, long-suffering, 
abundant in mercy. God is very patient when he wants to have judgment. Yesterday, I, I, was, I, was, I was speaking with my Baba. We were talking. I was sharing with him. All right? For me, I preach everywhere. So I was with him when we were sharing. And I was telling him something. He was like, Jesus should just come and go. And I said, it's because you are saved. Because if he came 10 years ago, I won't go. So every time God wants to strike, there's always that one person that he has to wait for. So God is very patient with judgment. But when that patient runs out, he said the first thing he does is he, he, he sets the demarcation. Then he separates. Is this consistent with the nature of God? Yes. Go to John chapter 15. I'll start from verse 1, John chapter 15. He said, I'm the vine, and my father is the husbandman. So the God is actually a vine dresser. Yes, sir. Then look at it, he said, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Judgment. So God has periodic judgments. So he looks at the branch that is not bearing fruit. He cuts it away. Then he says, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. It's also another kind of judgment. He cuts off some things from it. Now, in the topic of judgment, some people think that God does not, or, or God does not judge at all. all right? I, I, I explained what judgment means. I said, judgment is the manifestation of God's intervention on man's lease. Let me use this to explain it to you. Let's say, for example, a, a, a landlord gives you his house. Yes, Whatever you do inside your house is, not, is none of his business. Am I right? You're right, sir. But do you know that from time to time, there are certain things that if you do and it gets too much, he can actually invade? Yes, sir. No, what I'm, is what I'm saying, Very right? True, sir. Very true. He gave you the house, even though you have, you have paid the rent, even in the morning, you, you, you shit in front of the house. He's, 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 why? You want to spoil my house. <laughs> you understand? So God gives such interventions on earth from time to time. Even though the day of the Lord has not yet come. The day of the judgment. That's the end of the world. That particular day, that's an event. It's a whole event on its own. At that time, all right, just like we are seeing the grace of God so massive that a man can misbehave all he wants and God will be so loving to him. The same way when we enter into the day of the Lord. Because where we are now is actually man's day. First Corinthians chapter 4, let me show you. First Corinthians chapter 4. I'll start from verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. We're looking at judgment. He said, or of man's judgment. The word um, uh, judgment is over there. It's a Hebrew word. It's um, a king Greek word. It's hemera. Hemera means day. So where we are now is the day of man. That is why human beings can come and stand somewhere and shout, there's no God, and God is not moving because it is man's day. <laughs> you see, it's as though God is not doing anything about it. Like people are insulting God on social media, and God is not moving because this is man's day. The word over there is man's or of man's day. Now, go to verse 3, or the next verse after this, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. So there is an event coming. That is the Lord's day. That's what we call the coming of the Lord. So he says, therefore, judge nothing before the time. 
It says, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. This judgment also refers to when we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where God will also judge our works or try our works. He will put his light upon every man's work. Then he will know the counsel of the heart, not what you just did. He will judge according to what was in your heart. When you were given, what was in your heart? Was it a competition or you love the Lord? So for judgment, for the topic of man's judgment, now we are in man's day. And God understands the times of the Gentiles. We are in man's day. But the day of the Lord is coming. Nevertheless, God said something very striking. In between these judgments, all right, in between man's day, he brings periodic judgments. Like I said, you can own a house. Someone comes to rent it. There is a limit to where, if he gets to with destroying the house, there's a limit to where you can come and say, no, 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 no. You don't do this in this house. So, even in man's day, God makes certain interventions at certain points in time. So, in your life, when things are not going the way they are supposed to go, sometimes it is not prayer you need. Sometimes it is not more prayer. Sometimes it is about taking inventory. Jesus Christ said, who will go and build a house and not first count the cost? He said, first sit down and count the cost. Sometimes, you see, having reflective moments to know. Look at this scripture. Now we are getting closer to the, 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 the main thing in the topic. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll start from verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. You know, I was saying there are some people who make it look as if God doesn't make any judgment, periodic judgment. There's nothing like God. God is just, God is a good God. It's because he's a good God that he judges. I mean, some of us can attest to the fact that it is the lashes of our fathers that have made us who we are. Very true. And you know that at the time they were lashing, you think you thought it was bad. When God brings judgment sometimes on his children, it is corrective. The day of the Lord, that judgment is not corrective, it is punitive. That is punishment. But the one that goes on within men's lives. At certain points in time, those judgments are corrective. But the Bible says, him who the Lord loves, he chastens, he disciplines. He said, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discern the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. The principle of the first judgment. If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. That means we will not, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how the scriptures put it. Take for example, so God says, first, you can judge yourself. You can sit down and reflect. Where my Christian walk, am I in? You know, you have to be very, take, you have to take heed. Be very circumspect about Christian life. Take heed. There are times in my Christian work, I have, I've had to sit myself down. Of late, you don't read the Bible like you used to do. You don't pray like you used to do. He said, if you judge yourself, you will not be judged. That means if you judge yourself, you will not enter into that judgment. 
I was explaining to you, I think it was a cell leaders meeting where I was explaining to them the people that actually will go in the first flight. They are those who are doing something for God. So sometimes, you need to draw yourself back. That's the reason why sometimes you wait on the Lord. You need to draw yourself back and check yourself. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Now, why will you see a lot of judge, judge in Corinthians? Because those, that church was a very stubborn church. They're the ones that um, Paul was talking about fornication. I mean, in the Corinthian church, over here he's talking about communion. The Corinthian people, they could drink communion and be drunk. That's why he said, uh, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily. They could drink it and be drunk. There was alcohol in their wine. And the Corinthian people, you know, before Paul went to preach there, they had gods, all right? I was explaining to, I think it was in a meeting we were having, I was explaining to you that they had a temple that um, the god over there had many prostitutes who were naked. When you are going to see the god, you, you have to <laughs> fulfill righteousness before you see the god. So you can see that there was a city that was given solely to sexual immorality. So Paul now goes to preach over there. They accept the gospel Everything is fine. Later, while they are in church, they now start bringing that their old mindset into church. So, Paul corrected a lot of things in Corinthian church. And according to Paul, they were people who like gifts, gifts, gifts. Oh, I have the gift of this. Oh, I have the gift of that. Oh, they, but they were not taking heed of their own life. So, say, that just... To, to, to get this clear. Gifts are not a proof that you are living rightly. No, gifts are not a proof that you are living right. Mm. Why am I saying this? It's so key when you read the scriptures. <laughs> Look at the, the, the Corinthian church. First Corinthians chapter 12. Paul talks to them about gifts. For to one is given the, the gift of the, the word of knowledge, design of spirits, word of wisdom, interpretation of tongues, he was actually teaching them those things. But guess what? When he started that book, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, when I came to you, I came not to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but of the demonstration of the spirit of power. That was 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, when I came to you, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but even as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. That means everything that was written in 1 Corinthians was for babes. When you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you see a lot of rebuking. He rebuked them, even in 2 Corinthians. He was telling, he was now comparing the Macedonian church to them. He said, you people, utterance, every time you are enriching utterance and in knowledge and you are the gift, but you don't give. Paul was rebuking them that they don't give. They like prophesying, they don't give anything. <laughs> you see, so, Inventory. Inventory. If you take your Christian life like a house you are building, you will take inventory. You will sit down and count the cost. Where am I now in this thing? Do I have pillars? Because if I don't build pillars, my house is coming down. My house is coming down. Inventory. You see, sometimes you must check if what the word of God says is what you are seeing in your life. You must check. I remember I preached a message two years ago when we were still at Holiday Inn. The message was why the word of God does not work sometimes. Because yes, you have to check. Look, when we see the account of even Old Testament folks, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. We have to take inventory. There's more. Do you know, hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their real names were actually Azariah, Mishael, Daniel, and those were the Hebrew names. Daniel, Mishael, 
It was the Babylonians who gave them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they entered into Babylon, they were 15 years old. 15. 15. 15. You know the name Shadrach? The meaning of Shadrach means illuminated by the sun god. When they checked the wisdom of the guy, they said, no, this guy has been illuminated by a sun god. Meshach. The meaning of Meshach means just like Easter. Easter is the Babylon god. Just like Easter. So when the guy speaks, he speaks like God. They said the same thing about Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar said to him, he said, the spirit of the Holy Ghost is in thee. All right? They didn't know God, so they attributed things to their God. So the wisdom of these guys, Bible says, as for these four people, God gave them wisdom. 15 years. And they were 15 years. So you take inventory. In my Christian work, maybe... I know just how to pray. I don't know how to study. You know, you have to take inventory. What, what, where, what, what is lacking? Now, you know, in a message like this, people can take it to extreme and start condemning themselves. No, don't condemn yourself. He said, if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. Because you see, the, the productivity, our productivity as, as Christians is um, a defense of some sort for our faith. Now, some of us have moved beyond the realm of trying to get God to prove himself in our life. We've gone past it. There's no, there's no like Nathan Abbasi said, there's no, um, uh, there's no, the song, there's no place for argument. There's no place for argument. <laughs> there's no place for argument. There's no place for argument. Sometimes when people are talking about tithing, all right, it's a good scripture, but I just said something about it. When people say, I'm going to prove God with my tithe, I'm going to prove God with my tithe. No, you have to graduate from there. Graduate from there. Why? Because when God was saying, prove me now here with, the people he was talking to and the people he was talking about were people who were robbers. He said, you have robbed me. This is a stubborn arm robbers. <laughs> Stop all spiritual arm robbers. <laughs> they were robbing God. They were robbing God. So, because they were robbing God, God had to come down to their level and say, prove me, you prove me. I see it. So, but we who trust God, we are not, we are, we are not called to try God, we are called to trust God. Mm. So, we who trust God... When we, give, when we give our tithe or our offering, we, we know that God is faithful to his word. So any victory that we, we, we get, all right, it is for the defense of our faith. Because the whole creation waited for the manifestation of the sons of God, not of the son of God. The church is waiting for the manifestation of the son of God, but the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So our victory is God's victory. So it's not like we are sitting down for God to have a victory. No, our victory is God's victory. Anytime you got sick of something and you use the word of God and a miracle happened, you know what has happened? We have proved God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It is a plus for God. You know, sometimes when we say Daniel went to the lion's den, people don't understand the, ve- the velocity of it. You see, mm. that's why I was, t- I, was, I was saying that it's so important. When I started teaching Hebrew on um, Instagram, some people are just laughing about it. It's so important you understand the culture and you have to understand certain backgrounds. Otherwise, some of these Bible stories will just look like they threw Daniel into a lie. It was more than that. So tell us. We are ready, sir. <laughs> Easter, the god of the Babylonians, his symbol, his symbol was lion. Amazing. So when you go to that, that, but when you see that image, it is 120 lions. The symbol of Easter, the God of Babylon. So at that time, when Daniel went to pray, it was now Elohim against Easter. Mm. So when they put Daniel in the den, it was Elohim against Easter. That is why when Darius came there, he said, has your God been able to deliver you?
When you go to India today, they worship certain animals. Do you understand? They worship certain animals. The, the symbol of that god, Easter, was actually the lion. So the victory of Daniel, that's why it's so important for us to be taking inventory. We have to make sure that our Christian life is producing the result that God wants. God is raising people who bring a defense to the gospel. Your victory is the victory of the kingdom. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Your prosperity is a pro- Think about it. Think about it. I was talking with this, with this, um, you know, the one I called my Baba, I was talking with him yesterday. And God has blessed him. He's now well to do. And I told him, I said, look, you have to support the work of God. And you have to make it clear that you're a Christian. I said, why? Because this is your victory because he's doing well now. He's built a, a, a new place. And a lot of people know him. I said that this is your victory. Think about how many Christians will be, will be excited and feel proud. Like I was proud that I was, I was born again when I went to him. He said, when we're talking about the word of God, he was telling me, oh, he was fasting and this. I was so excited. I said, you have to make it public. Mm. Men have to know that there's a God. Your victory is God's victory. One day I was talking with a, a great CEO. I told him, I said, how come that we don't see a lot of Christian CEOs who are making, then he told me they are there. And I said, so why are they quiet? Why are they quiet? Why are they quiet? We need voices for God. We need voices for God. Some of you just need to do your PhD for certain reasons. Yeah. I'm sure they're listening. I said, some of you just need, you just, just for certain reasons, do your PhD. <laughs> like one day, I, I said something about the scriptures and one young guy on Twitter was, was going to challenge me with what, he's, what I had said. And he, you have not even finished school. So he, said, he told me, he said, you are just a regular pastor. I said, and a Hebrew scholar. Mm. Then he kept quiet. Some of you need, your victory is God's victory. You're doing well in class. It's not separate from, it's part of the calling. It's like, you need that victory. So you need to take inventory. What part of my Christian life? What, go, let me show you something in the book of Proverbs. I said, if you judge yourself, you'll not be judged. Look at Proverbs. Chapter 1. Verse 22, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. I said, anytime, anytime the first judgment is done. Remember what he said in John chapter 15? He said, he purged it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Anytime you cut out those things that are not consistent with the word of God in your life, you see more progress. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you cut out those things that are not consistent with the word of God in your life, certain characters, uh, characteristics that are, con- are not consistent with the word of God in your life, you will see more progress. That's why he said you judge yourself. You judge yourself first so that you not be judged. Sit down. Take inventory. My life now. Where is it going? And what, so those of you who work with me, you've seen it a lot. When things are not going the way I want it, I call for a meeting. Where, where, where is the problem? We, I did it this week. I did this week. So, learn to do it. Call yourself for a meeting. Look at it. How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Verse 23. He said, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I'll pour out my spirit unto you. Mm. He says, When you turn at the reproof, 
when you make a repentance or a renewal of mind, he said, I'll pour out my spirit. So there's always a new dimension of grace that comes into your life. Like, for example, God is an investor. God is an investor. I remember the story of a great man of God. A man of God, Pastor Chris, was sharing this story. Yes, a great man of God who was asking God for a million dollars. And when he prayed, 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 God said, I've given it to you. He said, God, where is it? God said, I've given it to you. He said, God, where is it? Then God said, your tap is leaking. When you go out, you leave the light on. Then he began to show him the things that are taking away his money. When he blocked all those things, within three months, he got the money. Some of you, you don't need a, a, a move of God, though. You just need to save. They didn't understand what I just said. I said, some of you don't need a move of God. Father, Father, move with my life. Move. You just need to save. Inventory. The day you get your, your biggest money, don't increase your expenditure. Say, <laughs> so, oh, the Lord has blessed me. Before you used to eat, before you used to eat until Munawache, when the Lord blessed you, he said, Kempinski. Well, <laughs> then you are prayerfully eating the capital God has sent you that God, God is good. <laughs> I said, call yourself for a meeting. I do it, I do it a lot. When I see things are not going the way, I call myself for a meeting. What are we not doing yet? Ah, I used to pray this number of hours. Now it's so difficult to pray this number of hours. Then, I'll begin behaving like someone who is drowning. You know, when someone is drowning, doesn't know how to sweep. I begin, I'll be looking for a book. I'll be looking for, I'm looking for the next thing to kick me. I'll be looking for certain message, something, you know, I'll be looking for different messages. And while I'm doing that, God sees, God sees the, the, the desperation. Mm. He sees the desperation. Then something kicks in and we move. And we move. At the earlier stage of my Christianity, at a point I thought, I'm too stagnant. What's wrong? I called myself for a meeting. I wanted more. I wanted more. And I just knew the things that I should do. I just knew the things I should do. I showed you ten you at my reproof and I poured my spirit. If you think this is a lie, let's go to the book of Acts. Chapter 2. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricking their hearts. Peter was preaching. Also when they heard Peter's preaching, they were pricking their hearts. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Very important question. I've asked God this question many times. And every time he answers me, God, what do I do now? What do I do now? When God tells me, no, this is, this is wrong. God, what do I do now? What, what do I do? God, what do I do? God, I want, I want to start seeing miracles in my meeting. God, what do I do? Many years ago, I asked this question. God, what do I do? Lord, I want to be financially strong for you. God, what do I do? Sometimes, he will, he will answer you. Sometimes he will lead you there. But look at what Peter said. I want to bring out the point. He says, then Peter said unto him, repent. I see. In Proverbs he said, turn ye at my reproof. It's the same thing, repent. Change your mind. Repent means change your mind. He said, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Proverbs, he said, turn your body and apart my spirit. He said, repent, you shall receive the Holy Ghost. So, there is a link between an outpouring of the spirit and the recalibration of your mind. Listen, go home and go and call yourself for a meeting. 
Well, call yourself for a meeting. Lord, what do I do? Lord, what do I do? You know, there, you, you, you might be watching me today and you've not received Jesus Christ. No, no, it's not like what you do. You don't have anything to do. Until you receive Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. If you're not born again, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Once I'm done with the prayer, some, some numbers are going to show on the screen. I want to call those numbers. Now, tell them of your decision you made to be with Jesus. And they're going to pray with you. And your life will never be the same again. You know, even as we're having this meeting, this service, healings were taking place. Right from when we were singing, healings were taking place. The mountain where I climbed, the valley where I fell, you were there all along. That's the story I'll tell. You brought the pieces together, made me a storyteller. Now I know it is well, it is well. That's the story I. That's the story I tell.